0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Skewed and Review of Skewedcast. I'm Garrett the Skewed and Review. And you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, pop culture, and more. And I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. You can also catch us online at uh, canalcentral.com, keyword Skewed, which is a network of newspapers where we do uh, game reviews. You can catch us on Sci-Fi Radio, you can catch us on, um, oh, let's see, Shays Geek Nation on KSWFM each week. I have a segment that I do um, that we talk about the, many of the same things, movies, games, television, pop culture, and we also have our quarterly student-reviewed magazine. So I uh, wanted to hit the ground running because next week, obviously, we will have a segment but the big football game is next weekend, and we you know that uh, that may make recording on uh, Sunday when we do a lot of our recording, even though we release the show uh, during the week. Uh, wanted to go over some of the big news, and this is, of course, the ads, uh, apparently costing millions of dollars. I've heard rumors as much as $7 million for a 30-second spot. Other people have said, well, no, it's not quite that high. It's actually, you know... Uh, a little different, but um, let's just say it's huge um, money. And so, what we are going to be looking at is a lot of stuff coming at us from uh, Hollywood, who is making a big, big return. And, uh, you know, we'll have a look-see. And the funny thing is, the game is actually right here in our backyard, about a good 30, 40 minutes away from us. And, uh, no, we're staying very clear of all that craziness. I went to the one they had years ago uh, pre-COVID, not the game, but the actual pre-game stuff, and it was chaotic, to say the least. But uh, we're going to get a lineup of films that is going to be pretty impressive. So this is um, what I've heard so far based on confirmations, and then, of course, others are rumors. So uh, the studio is apparently spending $7 million for a 30-second spot during uh, the game. Now some studios will release longer trailers ahead of the game with cut down versions during the game. We're supposed to see that with Fast X, Uh, Fast and Furious 10 is supposed to put a trailer out this week, I've heard about a 90 second uh, long or two, two and a half minute long trailer. The movie is reportedly over $400 million, so I'm very curious to see what this is gonna look like. And then a stripped down version. So. Uh, what we're supposed to do is get our first look, uh, not counting the DC FanDome, at The Flash, uh, which is actually getting really good reviews I, uh, based on those who have seen it. They said it's, you know, some have gone so far as to call it the best superhero film ever made, and I'm just like, yeah, i believe it when I see it. Um, Universal, as I mentioned, Fast X is coming. We've got Cocaine there, and of course the Super Mario Brothers movie. Paramount is going to be doing Transformers, Rise of the Beast, Scream 6, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Honor Among Thieves. And people are disappointed. Nothing yet for Mission Impossible. Now, where it gets really, really interesting is Disney is apparently going all in with no less than six spots. Reportedly, Uh, Captain Marvel 2, or the Marbles, is going to get its first look. A new trailer for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny a new trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, a new trailer for Pixar's Elemental, the live-action Little Mermaid, and a brand new one for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Now, what's got people really wondering is Sony, apparently, is going to sit it out. And there's a lot of question about, is Amazon, Netflix, and Lionsgate going to jump in and maybe do 3-3, John Wick Chapter 4 or something else? So, uh justin start us off what do you think Good, good lineup and what do you think might be missing
1: yeah i think it's a pretty good lineup you know every year um it it tends to be a good spot you know uh, obviously so many eyes on on the television it 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 tends to be a good place to show off uh some trailers for you know the 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 balancing act is some of these uh companies have their own events where they can you know generate a lot of hype so disney um for instance you know that's actually kind of a bit of a surprise for me because they have their own events they usually show off their biggest trailers but them coming out in full force maybe that's one of the reasons why some of the other players aren't coming out as hard because uh like you said i mean that's a lot of a of, of pretty big reveals for for on, on disney's part um i i would have really liked to see um you know anything on the new mission impossible uh, like you had mentioned i, I think this would have been a really great event for it um but uh you know i i do think it'll be interesting to see where some of these films are at where you know it's going to be a, the, the first time we're seeing some of disney's big big movies that they have coming out so um so yeah it'll be an interesting uh to see like how big these trailers are are they just going to be little teasers or are um you know how much of these films are we going to see
0: Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get a lot of those, you know, things where they show it and then full trailer, you know, Friday or something like that. Uh, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I like the lineup overall. I mean, nothing
2: too um, new. I don't think that we were not already expecting. Um, Obviously, The Flash has been getting good reviews. I'll be curious to how that really looks. Again, DC's not been um, knocking it out of the park for the most part with their... Uh, superhero movies, so um, seeing how the Flash translates into into film will be interesting. Obviously, with um, with Disney, it's not a surprise. Obviously, the Captain Marvel sequel, Indiana Jones, um, Guardians, um, Ant-Man and The Lost, that will be coming out fairly soon after, a couple of weeks after. Um, uh, little Mermaid, we've seen we've already seen some um, previews of that. It'll be curious if we get to see a little bit more of an actual movie trailer, um, to the live action for that particular film. Um, all in all, I'm, I'm mostly interested in seeing, uh, more of the transformers. That's one that I, I really hope, um, does well and actually comes out with a decent story a lot like bumblebee did. Uh, I think bumblebee was kind of a shock to most folks as they had been kind of used to the Michael Bay movies. And then when they, when bumblebee came out, it was something. Uh, uniquely different which made everybody I think a lot happier so yeah I don't um, again nothing really too surprising uh, we, I would hope we'd see something that we didn't expect because um, I think on this list is pretty much stuff we would expect to see uh, but I will be curious to see what the uh, um, what what comes from these and exactly are we going to see um, teasers that are going to introduce a more um, inexpensive time to show a full release. Or are they going to try to capture audiences, you know, with who are already captivated in the game um, to get a better look at the the movies as a whole? So yeah, I'll be interested to see how things turn out.
0: Yeah, I think uh, also let's not forget TV. I would be shocked if Disney doesn't uh, look at that as an opportunity to do a Mandalorian season three trailer, since that's coming in March, and Picard is going to be launching very very soon. And so we might see something from uh, Paramount on that. But I think it'll be interesting. And, of course, then the other question will be which of the big companies um, between drinks, snack foods, and whatever, and who's going to have this. Because let's face it, these are generally the best commercials you're going to see all year uh, come out of this event. Because they spend, I mean, huge money on the spots and then huge money promoting them. And I've always found it interesting because a lot of the companies that advertised in it, it's a case of I'm you know, very familiar with their products. I think most people in the country are, but it almost became a big status symbol that you don't want to be the one sitting out while all your competition is there. And I think it's made for some very entertaining um, television because they've all tried to outdo one another. Speaking about doing one another, we've talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania coming very soon, kicking off Phase 5 of uh, the Marvel film Cinematic Universe. And uh, we finally got news the other day from DC what their grand 10-year plan is. Now, for those that aren't aware, remember James Gunn is calling the shots with uh, another individual. They're essentially... Gone through and said, "Nope, we're not doing another Wonder Woman three. We're not doing another Superman with Henry Cavill. We're not going ahead and doing um, how would you call it uh, Aquaman three and all that." But then they kind of stepped back, Gunn uh, and Peter Safran, and said, "Well, doesn't mean that we might not see them in other films. we just not, you know, might not have them be doing their own thing." And then we hear stuff like, "Well," Obviously, the Joker sequel is going ahead. The Batman with Robert Pattinson is going ahead. But those are not part of this universe. They're an extended universe thing. They're off in their own little category. And now we've heard rumors coming out again that some people were saying the Batgirl movie was literally unreleasable, and that's why it was canceled and not uh, shown the light of day. So after all of this um, stuff, this is what we are told is the full 10-year plan. And um, we've got Creature Commandos, which is an animated TV show, a live-action show based on Waller, Superman Legacy, which is a live-action film, but again, at this time, not the Henry Cavill, Lanterns, a live-action TV show, The Authority, a live-action film, Paradise Lost, which is a live-action TV show, the Brave and the Bold, which is a live-action film, Booster Bold, live-action TV series, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, live-action film, and a live-action film on Swamp Thing. Now, um, uh, obviously, the Blue Beetle is still in the works as well. And, of course, uh, you know, um, i, I got to say, my at first glance, I'm like, really? You know, I, you got Shazam, The Flash, Blue Beetle, and Aquaman, The Last Kingdom all due in 2023. I can honestly say, while I'm not jumping out of my seat at either one of those, they all seem much more appealing to me than any of these uh, titles. So, Michael, what do you make of this? Yeah, pretty lackluster, honestly. Um, and,
2: look, we know the DC movies have always kind of struggled um, I think there was some hope that this was going to be, you know, a way for them to go in a new direction. But with so many classic characters, I mean, we're talking about ones like um, Green Arrow. We're talking about um, any of the Team Titan type folks. Um, you know, they, you know, Titans has been a fantastic show. Um, as has uh, Doom Patrol. Um, again, there's a lot. There, there's so many characters that the DC universe can spawn from with so many epic type titles you wonder why they're kind of going with lesser known individuals I think maybe part of that is to not tread on um, a lot of the stories that have been told before on popular characters Uh, because I get that it can be difficult to tell a new Batman story or tell a new Superman story when there's been so many Comics released. There's been so many um, TV shows, both animated and regular, and movies, and you know, not have everything feel like a reboot. So I get that taking on a lesser known character, somebody like um, the Blue Beetle or even Swamp Thing, um, who are more niche audiences. Not to say that you know, there's not a there's not an audience um, there. I mean, I remember the Swamp Thing movie from back when I was a kid, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it doesn't, none of this draws excitement and they can be the best movies in the world, but if they aren't characters that people are drawn to or have interest in, um, and I mean, and I don't necessarily mean, um, cause a lot of people will go see a movie, even if it's terrible, if it has Batman in it or if it has Superman in it, right? Even though, even if it gets panned, has terrible reviews, There's always going to be, though, that familiarity, name familiarity, which is going to draw people in just to see it. But when you're talking about things like, um, you know, the authority um, uh, thing on on Waller, um, you know, creature commandos. And again, some of these I realize are TV shows and they're not movies. But just generally speaking, overall, um, it it just doesn't it doesn't really excite me for the cinematic direction that. DC is going and I think even Marvel with their late in this latest um, iteration of their MCU has, has even kind of struggled with some of that with characters that are not quite um, as well known or maybe aren't quite as iconic as the characters from the first um, MCU um, universe but I think the difference between Marvel and DC is Marvel can experiment a bit they've been known to make excellent movies. Um, the MCU has introduced a lot of characters within um, their their main, you know, uh, tentpole movies that maybe were lesser characters that are now getting their um, full-length films. So they were introduced that way, um, and I don't think DC has, at this point, proven that they can put off a, a, a string of you know, well-liked um, movies that gives them. Um, an option to kind of go forward with these lesser known uh, individuals or titles. So again, you know, a lot of folks see movies based on um, whether or not they're familiar with the character, familiar with the comics, or just with name familiarity. And something like Blue Beetle, um, I'm going to be honest, it may be the best movie ever, but I have no nostalgia for it. I have no, um, it, it wouldn't be a, you know, you know, go to the first showing of it, the first movie, um, night and bring in, you know, $300 million on a movie that doesn't have that sort of brand recognition. So I, I think there's a lot of, DC has a ton of options out there. And I think by not going with the stronger known characters, um, again, we've know, we've seen what they've done with those and they haven't been very successful. Um, so I understand, again, pivoting to try to take a, a more diverse approach, but I think at this point that's not going to do them any
0: favors and justin your take please
1: yeah i mostly agree I, I think i might try to take the the more optimistic or bullish um uh opinion uh, I, I i just as devil's advocate really because um i do think there's a chance here and i'm gonna try to lay out the case for it so um basically with james gunn um i i do i, I think he's incredibly talented um And I I think where his talent is, is I I think he has proven uh, several times that he can take a a property from like a C-tier comic book like Guardians of the Galaxy and then make it A-tier. Marvel has done this several times where um, they take properties that are very, very unknown, very niche, um, that that doesn't have like a huge following. Um, Even the MCU when it started um, you know, a lot of the, the characters they launched with, uh, at the time, they, they were not nearly as, as notable. They were notable amongst comic book fans, of course, but amongst the general public, um, you know, comic book movies weren't, weren't quite in the same, um, places they are now. So, back when Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, I mean, yes, again, largely, ne- like, well-known, uh, amongst, you know, comic book fans, but most people at that time, it was X Men, Spider Man, The Hulk, and Batman and Superman. Like those were like the, the well known characters. Uh, you know the MCU kind of changed the the landscape uh, quite a bit, and I think James Gunn did it. Um, you know, pro prove that he could basically do a uh, a tier uh, movie with with a, a basically totally unknown comic book property like before guardians of the galaxy came out i just distinctly remember thinking there's no way that they're going to be able to pull this off it's a talking tree and a talking raccoon uh in space like there's no way he's going to pull this off it's you know i was i was not bullish on that movie when it came out um you know i I thought that you know people would go see some people would go see it but it wasn't going to make any money but i was obviously way wrong on that um so i do think you know he has the potential to to pull this off i think but uh i will say the 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 right approach probably would have been to take some more conventional characters and then try to uh fit those in you know amongst also the less conventional properties so uh he is trying to do a like a batman movie and a superman um you said it's a tv show i think but It's to me, I think the safer bet would have been to, you know, take something like Green Lantern um, and and fit that in there. Uh, That way it was, uh, you know, a bit of a mix rather than something that just seems totally risky. Um, So I think there's a chance here. It's just I I think there could have been a better approach. Plus, plus, you know, I think the other thing uh, most people were, were looking for was a clean break, and it doesn't really seem like this is a clean break.
0: No, it doesn't, and it just seems like you have to wonder. And, you know, the problem with this is we know how – I just don't don't buy it for a minute, and I wonder about the wording in their deals because how many times have you heard about people coming in with their long-term plan at D.C. and they announce all these films, and then something comes out and bombs or doesn't live up to expectation and the whole plan gets thrown out the window? So what happens if, you know, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, which I know isn't his thing, but nonetheless, let's assume it comes out and it does about $400 million. Well, guess what? That's what the Shazam films, and that's what Black Adam have done. That's not going to be enough to get everyone jumping up and down and excited over things. And then let's assume the next thing comes out, and it doesn't do as well. So they can clear these slate of films and say, "Oh, okay, but let's all... I also remember The Flash apparently is a $200 million movie. And you've got a star that they're trying to hide uh, and saying, oh, well, they are working on their problems and they're getting everything straightened out. Bottom line, though, is not sure that's uh, someone that they want out on the press and publicity tour hyping up the film. So, what if it does come out with mixed reviews and lukewarm box office? Then all of a sudden you have to look at all these films and say, hmm, gee, are we really, really, really going to invest $200 million in some of these films? And meanwhile, let's look at the other side. I think we can pretty much safely say Marvel will be rattling off $700 million to $1 billion movies over and over and over, all the way leading up to the next Avenger films. That's got to be a real hard uh, act to uh, follow, especially... When, I mean, let's be honest, if I'm not mistaken, the highest grossing DC film uh, would be, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's Batman vs. Superman. And that was about $700 million, which would stick it uh, just beyond the maligned Eternals, to give you an idea where it uh, fits in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, it does definitely... Um, put things in context. Uh, Moving forward from that, we had news that Star Wars Jedi Survivor has uh, gone gold, but at the same time, the uh, powers that be have said that they're going to spend the next few weeks uh, squashing bugs on it. Now, I thought that was interesting because it won gold ahead of its uh, anticipated release time frame, at least in the time frame that I would think they could use to squash the bugs Uh, and now we got another six weeks delayed till April 28th but when I looked a little deeper I said "Hmm, isn't that funny Star Wars Celebration London April 7th through 10th almost seems to me like a uh, convenient way for them to make sure the game doesn't come out before the celebration and thereby using it as a platform to hopefully uh, increase some pre-orders or at least sales and hype by doing a stage event and maybe uh, releasing a new look at it and perhaps having some of the stars from the game come out. Uh, Justin, start us off on this. What do you think?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it seems like some kind of weird communication there. uh, Because to me, it doesn't really seem like it actually has gone gold if there are are bugs. So (laughs) if, uh, you know, a game going gold is supposed to mean it's done and it's supposed to be, you know, releasable, but if they immediately turn around and say... uh, we're gonna delay this six weeks to to address bugs. Um, and then you know th- why why did you say it was gold? Then uh, I don't know. Just kind of it is kind of odd. So I'm inclined to agree with you. I think probably it was done more for for marketing reasons. Um, you know, just to release it at a at a a window that you know might be more beneficial to them. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just sort of just. Not necessarily like an EA thing, but I do wish that more companies would uh, release their games, you know, with you know the bugs already dealt with, rather than something that they address later. Uh, if if that was kind of what was going on here.
0: And Michael, you take please. Yeah, I mean, I I've
2: always said I prefer they push back a release date than try to make a release. Day and then patch the bugs later, so it could simply mean that they're during play testing during uh, you know additional run throughs um, leading up to their announcement that they did come across some game breaking things that they need to address. Or um, I don't know what sort of play tests they've gone through before uh, making it go gold, but maybe there were certain areas of the game where um, they just didn't feel we're going to do well uh, personally. I wish they had just pushed it to May Fourth, for instead of April twenty eighth, and release it on Star Wars Day. Then they could have said they did it on purpose to release it on Star Wars Day, and nobody would have questioned it anyway. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it certainly could be done for, um, uh, you know, to for you know advertisements and that sort of thing to make it to have a better launch. I don't think that there was going to be a concern about that, but I do think that if they were significantly uh, worried that releasing it in that six weeks is going to make that much of a difference, then i hope that means it releases in a far better state than some of the games. Again, not specific to Respawn or EA, but just games in general. I hope it's um, seeing a much better release. Again, it could be something where they ran into bugs with a specific console version or maybe a PC version or something that is going to make them have to do some retooling. Maybe they arrange some major performance hiccups that they need to address. Uh, there's all sorts of things that we could, you know, that could, you know, fall under this umbrella. So it'd be curious to see what the real state of the game is once it does finally release.
0: Yeah, it does make you wonder.
2: Uh, moving forward, uh,
0: staying in the video game world, we have had reports, and Michael, you can start us off this, that Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft will not be taking part in the new E3 that is relaunching this year uh, under Repop. Now, it doesn't say whether or not they will be taking part in Summer Game Fest. That is still TBD, but uh, what do you make of this?
2: So, I'm not surprised at all. Honestly, Nintendo hasn't been a a big factor for years. Sony basically said they weren't going to do E3 anymore um, after they did that really weird um, so those two, I think we had already counted out of E3. Um, Microsoft's kind of odd because they do sit on the board of the ESA, um, so a lot of folks expected that they would have a presence there just because of that, um, and Microsoft hasn't said they won't be doing an event around the same time E3 is going on, aka they could be doing it the same exact weekend and doing it in their um, studio, which is kind of what they were doing during E3 as well. Uh, but I think, generally speaking, um, I think all all of them have seen the writing on the wall for a while. There hasn't been a need to do an in-person event. Um, they haven't really seen an impact. Sony, and Nintendo, and Microsoft I think have pretty much become accustomed to doing their their Nintendo Direct or Sony um, Live, you know, types of things that they do over the internet. Things are in a lot different place now than they were five, six, ten years ago. Um, you know, they can kind of release announcements on their own schedule. They can tailor the shows to their own, um, style. They don't need to worry about competing against anybody else. Um, I think what we're going to see with E3 is kind of what PAX is. I think E3 is going to become more of a fan based show. Um, again, E3 started off as a trade show and it was a lot about the industry folks coming seeing new games, deciding what the orders were going to be for Christmas to see what was coming out so they could prioritize shelf space they could prioritize their um you know what how they were going to their displays that sort of thing and now with the whole industry going uh you know digital for almost the most part i mean hardly anybody carries much of anything as far as physical game copies are concerned anymore obviously target some of those do but it's much much smaller than it was five six seven years ago um, I, just, I just think the industry does, is at a point where, A, there's probably too many of these going on right now. Um, Microsoft, if they wanted to, could roll it into um, a QuakeCon or something else like that and have their own show alongside you know, Bethesda, id, and, and their properties. Um, so, yeah, I, I would expect that the uh, in person events in general are going to start to go the more the way of the third party indie type things. I think there'll be more of a um, Comic-Con-esque type feel. More fan-focused with folks, you know, maybe dressing up, doing cosplay, and doing that sort of thing. But I think the I think the show, any show with the big three of them together in one place won't happen again. I would, I'm going to say that right now. I don't see an event ever where all three of them are in attendance the way they have been with E3 uh, prior to the pandemic. I just don't see that there's a need for it anymore.
0: And, uh, Justin, what do you say about all this?
1: Yeah, I think Michael definitely nailed it. I think, you know, I think it would have been a big deal if they had convinced the three to show up. Uh, we, You know, we, there was a the big announcement that they were going to uh, bring E3 back this year. And I, I, I remember saying, you know, I think this is the time to pull out all the stops and go all out, try to try to do a huge show um to like say like hey e3 is back it's this is a worthwhile event um to kind of set them up for the future but it was always going to be a huge uphill battle to convince the big three to attend uh for pretty much all the reasons michael uh just outlined you know nintendo had been kind of doing its own thing for, for for a long time before anyone else and i think sony picked up on that and they've been kind of you know doing their own tune as well um so it was always going to be a tough uh tough uphill battle for them to convince the 3 to attend um the microsoft i think is kind of a bigger blow because um that's a more recent thing you know the other two it's been a little bit longer uh so it's a little more expected um you know that said i think what they could maybe bank on is uh and you know something that i just hope you know personally i i hope that uh the 3 actually have events around the time of E3, and that way it can kind of be kind of, you know, synonymous with it. it. You know, maybe they're not at the event, but Nintendo usually traditionally has something, you know, around the E3 time frame anyway, like same week or week after, and that way, you know, pe- in people's minds, it, you know, maybe it wasn't at E3, but people will still associate big big reveals, Um, you know, for the first week of June. Um, That's, that's, hopefully, you know, if they can't convince the three to show up in person, maybe they can convince them to, you know, hold their events around the same time. That way people can still kind of, you know, in their minds think, oh, okay, E3 is kind of a big deal. There's big, big reveals that happen around that time. Because that's really what E3 has been known for, um, you know, since I started paying attention to it, is that, you know, it's the big reveal show um, in the summer. Uh, And to be honest, you know, I I think the industry is really kind of uh, aching for something like that. We haven't really had, like, yeah, you know, a lot of these companies have been showing off things, but I'll, I'll be honest: like the last couple years have been very light, and you know, understandably so. I think there's still we're still still feeling some of uh, COVID's effects on some of these games as development times, um, which you know makes sense because the game a AAA game usually takes about five to six years to make, and if you add another year, or year and a half to that because of um, you know COVID disruptions, then we're actually probably still. You know feeling the effects of of covid on the gaming industry. So relative to years in the past, it really has felt like the the summer uh, you know hasn't really been a place for big reveals at least for a couple years. Um, so I'm hoping that they can find someone else uh, e- either convince the three to have some kind of big big show around the same time or if they can't then at least you know try to convince some of the other publishers to uh, to show off something big around the same time, because otherwise, um, like Michael said, that the only thing that's left for E3 to really be is a, is a um, you know a convention for uh, for fans.
0: And what's troubling to me is I sit here and I look at this and I go, so now you have Summer Game Fest and you have E3, and you know there's competition. You know there's going to be priorities. How many of these companies are going to come out and say, take part in the live event, but we're going to give you a trailer? And then how many of them are going to say, in the week between Summer Game Fest and E3, as you guys stated, we're going to do our own showcase? And I think E3 is trying to kind of mitigate this by saying, hey, you remember those showcases we would have in the... You know the Saturday and Sunday, or well, excuse me, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, if I'm not mistaken, before they opened the doors, uh, you would have the Microsoft showcase, and Sony had their showcase traditionally on Monday. Um, let's see, Ubisoft would have one, Devolver would do one, and EA used to have one. Then they went off and did their own thing, and then Bethesda had their big showcases. And I think they're trying to really say, hey, you know, if you aren't going to be on the floor with us. At least let's do something during that week and let's see if we could all work together because I am very curious to see what E3 is going to have. I am concerned that it is going to uh, become like what taxes become the last couple of years. And we had, uh, I mean, we used to go up all the time before the pandemic. And now we have not done it to Seattle. We just let the local staff take care of it because you know it's very small indie groups we have staff saying they're walking through the entire floor in about an hour and change both both levels of it um you know the meetings are there we've got a group going to pax east but it's like you know when you're used to spending time at the sony group when you're used to spending time at microsoft warner brothers um bethesda Sega. And, you know, now you're dealing with small independent and, you know, European companies that are making these retro titles. That doesn't have the same appeal. That does not generate traffic. That does not generate a lot of interest. And so, you know, I I think that's going to be a huge thing for people. And, of course, you know, you you look at the whole Microsoft thing. That, That is massive because that's not just Microsoft. That's potentially Bethesda. That is potentially Activision. That is potentially Blizzard. That's a pretty big hit to have your thing. I mean, and then we have to sit there like we did in 2019, Michael, and say, "Well, God, I, you know, I sure hope, uh, I sure hope Warner Brothers and uh, Ubisoft are going to be there. Otherwise, wow, this is going to be a movie showcase. You know, let's hope THQ shows up and things like that, because yeah, it, it, you know, you go, that's part of the job. But there is a huge difference between where we were in 2017 and 2018, where that was the be-all-end-all, all and everybody and everything was there with their with their stuff. And now it's like, ooh, gee. So hopefully better news ahead on that. The final thing I want to talk about this week is that we are hearing rumors, and I want to stress this 100%. I talked about this on radio the other day rumors that the next Far Cry game is actually going to be Far Cry games. Apparently, the next game, which may indeed be Far Cry 7, or the next uh, game in the series, is going to be set in the Alaskan wilderness. And the other rumor we hear is that a second game has essentially split off from this, and this is a multiplayer-centric Far Cry. Now, remember, the only Far Cry with a... In recent memory, with with any kind of multiplayer, was Far Cry 5, which kind of had some co-op and challenge missions. So I'm told, think about some of the Call of Duty stuff. Uh, Not Battle Royale, per se, but more like uh, the Call of Duty multiplayer aspects. This is what they would have. So, Michael, what do you make of
2: this? Well, I like the Alaska wilderness. I I think it's good to get out of the desert and the jungle for a change. Um, Yes, I know they did the Pacific Northwest area in the U.S. before, but... Um, I kind of like, especially for a game that's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a survival game, but it has kind of been more focused on environmental in addition to, um, you know, the, the the fighting and everything else and the stories. I think that's a pretty good, um, idea for them to kind of to do a little bit more focus on on that particular area. I think it's been a little bit unexplored, so I'm excited about that. As far as multiplayer with, um, Far Cry, not not terribly interested in that, to be honest. Um, like, I, I'm kind of at a point, I think, with shooters in general that you know, multiplayer in one is multiplayer in pretty much all of them for most part. Um, you would have to have some sort of real, uh, I don't know, something that would really be some sort of niche catch to kind of bring me in, versus being another clone of say a Battlefield or or, or Call of Duty um, or any of those, you know, because I think you know Fortnite. Um, kind of started with its build mechanic and, and went from there. And then obviously PUBG was all about the, you know, last to survive kind of thing. So it would have to have some sort of draw that would actually, I think, be an interesting take on it that would set it apart from the numerous other multiplayer shooter type games that are out there. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, what comes of it.
0: And Justin, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Far Cry has always been what's interesting about it is its setting right so that's kind of what they uh i I don't want to say gimmick but the the thing that's really kind of been far cry's thing for a while has been it's you know what setting is it going to be in and who the (laughs) villain who is the villain going to be uh is is usually kind of what they sell the far cry games on um it doesn't surprise me a lot i find it kind of curious but it doesn't surprise me a lot that they're doing two games at once uh i don't know they kind of did this with assassin's creed where they had that a big event they announced like I don't know ten Assassin's Creed games at the same time, um, so uh, d- doing two at, at once, I find kind of interesting because you would think you would just you know do one game that has a multiplayer component, but maybe there's something, you know, maybe there's enough difference between these two games and on a fundamental level, to kind of justify them being two separate, uh, two separate games, two separate products. So I'm curious. You know, like Michael, I'm 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 very interested in how they kind of pull off the Alaska setting. Uh, that sounds more interesting to me. I'm um, I'm like him in that. Um, you know, I I haven't played an Ubisoft multiplayer game in quite some time. I I know some of them are, are very popular. I've heard good things about Rainbow Six, but you know, uh, it's it's I guess it's just a taste thing. There's only I only have you know enough really time and, and room for only a very small amount of multiplayer games at once. So, um. I'll I'll be interested to in see what they do. You know, I'm interested. Um, you know they they do have some creative ideas every now and then. So I'm I'm curious to see how you know if, if there's something unique about it. But, um, but I guess we'll have to kind of see on on uh, on what exactly they're doing. And uh, and yeah, I just I guess more interested in the single player game and and what they're uh what they're doing with the Alaska setting.
0: Well, that sounds really interesting, and I can't wait. Now, the rumor I heard was. 2025, so obviously we've got a ways to go, but it might be nice to hopefully start getting some more gaming news. And of course, this week we're going to see the rollout of um, some new titles, so I know everybody is going to be eagerly looking forward to the new movie trailers and uh, the Hogwarts Legacy game and some other things that are coming. And until next week, everybody, Take care, and we will talk to you very soon.